welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Sunday the 20th of February 2011, entitled, When Things Aren't Good, God Still Is. And the Bible reading is taken from Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 13 verse 15. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Man, oh, so good to see you tonight. Just down a little bit, be fine. Got a little ringing. Sing with me. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. He's so good to me. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to Job chapter number one. Job chapter number one. You know, it It seems like that every time that I, I come, that the time or the length between trips seems to get shorter and shorter, though the, the year doesn't. In days, it's still 365 days normally before I'm back. But it sure does seem like it was about two months the last time I was here. And uh, I thank God for this place. Uh, it's a very, very special place in my heart. Um, and you know, I've often said this to my own people, Peter. Uh, our church at home is not special because of the building. It's, pe- it's special because of the people that's in the building. And that's why I come to England. I love, I, I, I won't say I love England. I, I do. I do love coming here, but I don't like coming here because of the climate. I like coming here because of the company. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that I can call uh, these folk that's sitting under the sound of my voice tonight, friend. You are my friends, and I thank God for that. Well, I'm going to try to live by the preacher beatitude. You know, the Sermon on the Mount had the Beatitudes. The preacher Beatitudes, one of them, I'll give you the rest of the other nine this week. But the first one is, blessed is the preacher whose train of thought has a caboose. It has an ending. So I'll try to get to the end of my message quick. All right, I promise. So uh, Job chapter number uh, 1. Job chapter number 1. I think the predominant theme that I have, uh, I've kind of, felt as as I spoke to most of the folk in the last uh, couple days is that everybody's had an eventful year. Amen? Everybody's had an, uh, a year that's topsy-turvy. It seems like that the bottom's fallen out. Sometimes it feels like everything's turned upside down. Uh, everybody that I've talked to, I said, how you doing? And, and I'm 30 minutes later saying, I wish I wouldn't have asked. <laughs> you ever been that way? You know, you say, how you doing? And then two hours later, after you get there, you go, oh, man, it's been bad. 
but, but it has been an eventful year. We've seen a lot take place, folks, not only in, uh, in individual lives, but we've seen things happen in politics. We've seen things happen on the face of the earth when it comes to conflict that would make uh, the very strongest of people uh, be concerned. But I announce to you tonight that we've got a, we've got a story in the Bible uh, that we need to always hear, a story about a man named Job. And I think it's kind of uh, appropriate that we talk about uh, the topic that I want to speak about tonight, and it's these words. When things ain't good, I know that's bad English, but it's good theology. When things ain't good, God still is. When things aren't going good, God still is good. And let's say it together. God is good all the time. God is good. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. I pray that you'd bless these next few moments that we have together. God, help us to realize that in the midst of all the struggles and trials that we go through in life as your children, Lord, you never said we would be exempt from them. But Lord, you said we could excel through them. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to realize as your children that you're too good to do us wrong and too wise to make a mistake. And Lord, we love you tonight. And I pray that you would help us to glean some truths from the life of Job that we could apply to our lives and realize when things aren't good, Lord, you still are. And we'll love you and we'll praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Look at chapter number 1, verse 1. It says there was a man in the land of Uz. Um, and chronologically, most of you know this, but this is the oldest book in the Bible. It's not the first book that's, that's uh, in our Bible, but it's the oldest book. It is actually the first book in our Bible chronologically. But Job was from a, a land called Uz. It was probably about as big as its name. It was called a poke and plum town. You know what a poke and plum town is? It's so small that you poke your head in, you plumb out of town. That's how big it is, all right? That's how small it is. But the land of Uz uh, was a small town, and Job was from there. But there's some intriguing things that's said about Job in the next few sentences. It says his name was Job, and that he was a man that was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Look down at verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou not considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect man, God said it again, a perfect man, an upright man, a one that feareth God, and escheweth or rejects evil. Look over at chapter number 2, and look at verse number 3. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou not considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a man, a perfect, an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. Ladies and gentlemen, can I say to you tonight that I'm not going to say that Job was a good man. I'm going to let God say it. God said it three times that he was a perfect man. He was an upright man. He was a person who feared God and eschewed evil. He rejected Chris' evil. Now, let me give you just a few thoughts tonight about the life of Job. When things ain't good, God still is. Amen? But ladies and gentlemen, can I say to you tonight that Job's life is a demonstration of how we ought to, tr uh, to trust God through the valleys of life. The Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hey, the Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, They that seek the Lord shall not want or lack for any good thing. Psalm 34, verse 10 says, They that, listen, They that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Can I say this, folks? God is good all the time. 
Now, folks, I'm telling you that we as God's people are going to go through tough times. We're going to go through difficulties. We're going to see uh, our enemy, our circumstances, and all type of affliction come upon us. But may I say this, that Jesus said in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, Carl. He said, I have overcome the world. Job wasn't unlike us. We're not unlike Job. Job was a man who was, and let's see Job's approval. God put his stamp of approval on Job. How? By what he said about him. Look, look at verse number 1 again. Turn back to chapter number 1 and look at verse number 1. It says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was uh, perfect and upright. Number 1, folks, he said he was perfect. We know that word not to be sinlessly perfect. There's not a person that is. If you think you are, you need to come down here and get right with God right now because you've just lied to the Holy Ghost. Everybody in this room is a sinner saved by the grace of God. You need a Savior. You may not think you do. There's a lot of people that say, well, I come to church and I'll do my little religious activity and then I'll go home and I'll be okay. Let me tell you something. You might be in church tonight, but you may not be in Christ. I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, but I'm telling you this. To all of those that are visiting and all those wicked Baptists on the back row, I'm just playing. Um, isn't it amazing how we all sit in the back? I told somebody one time, Pastor, when I make my next church, I should have done it, but we don't have pews. We just have chairs too. But the next time that I start a church, or if we get pews, I'm going to put one on the back row. Just one pew. One long pew, Tyler. And everybody's going to sit on it. And what they don't know is I've got a revolving door underneath that pew. And when they sit on that pew, that pew moves up and another one comes up behind it. And you just move them up to the front. But Job was a perfect man. That means, listen, he wasn't sinlessly perfect. It means that he was mature. And may I say this? The only way that you're ever going to get to a level of spiritual maturity is to go through the fire. I've said it before. Old black preacher told me one time, he said, when I get to heaven and I hear the Lord say, uh, enter into the joy of the Lord, when he says, listen, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If we're wanting to hear the Lord say that, we're going to have to go through the fire. You go through the fire, you'll get well done. Amen. But folks, listen, he was a perfect man. To be spiritually mature, that means, you know what, complete. Don't be a baby the rest of your life. Spiritually. Don't sit in church and be just, con just con content with status quo. A lot of people are. A lot of people sit in church and they're just content with just maintaining a, a certain level of nominal Christianity. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That ain't, going to, that ain't going to cut it. When you stand before a bunch of heathen that's mocking you, the name of your Savior and ask you what you believe, and you sit there like a knot on a log and look at them like a deer in headlights, and you don't know what you believe. It's not going to cut it just to be a nominal Christian. Folks, you're to grow in grace. It's time for us to grow up and be spiritually mature. Job's approval was this. He was perfect. Mature. By the way, folks, it's real cute when your kids are two and they take the car keys from off the table and throw them across the room and everybody goes, <laughs> oh, that was just cute. Don't do that again, son. It ain't cute no more when you're 20 years old and you're pitching a fit on the side of the road because you got a flat tire or because something's not going right at work. Hello. It's time to grow up. 
And I'm talking from the pulpit to the pew. It's all, it's time for all of us to have the approval that Job had. Listen, if things aren't going good, let me tell you something, God still is good. And we can take comfort in the fact that God, Peter, gave Job an approval on his life because he was mature spiritually. He was perfect. Number two, it says he was not only perfect, but he was upright. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Hebrew word for upright literally has this meaning. It means to be erect. It means to stand tall. And how many of you have ever been to a chiropractor? I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's something, there's something a little sketchy about them guys or ladies that put you on the table and say, listen, I'm not going to hurt you. Every time I leave there, I hurt. I don't know what, about, I don't know what it is about them that says it ain't going to hurt. But you know what they say? Put your head in my hand and relax. Well, when I got my head in somebody else's hand, I ain't relaxing. I'm sorry. You know, and then they give me that adjustment. I don't, I don't know if this is adjustment when you come out the building, but you know, that ain't adjusted to me. But it says here, but you know what? A lot of times when people go before a chiropractor, and, and you know, it helps some people. And you know what? They come out, and man, they might have had the uh, little osteoporosis and got some uh, adjusting, and you know what? They're standing taller. You know what? That's what this word means. He was a man that was upright. You know what it literally means, Chris? It means he kept his nose clean. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Did he have snot on it? No, that ain't what I'm talking about. He kept his nose clean. That means when he was at work, he didn't steal from the job. That means when he was at school, he didn't look on somebody else's paper and get the answers. That means when he was in front of his lost family, he didn't act like a heathen. He was trying to be a witness to him and be, try to be salt and light to him. He kept his nose clean. And may I say this, folks? It is high time that we as God's people, and especially as God's preachers, stop condemning people and tag, taking t people to, uh, to task from a pulpit and, you know what, mentioning personal names about people. When, you know, I've heard people in America scoff at Billy Graham. Let me tell you something. I don't agree on everything with Billy Graham. I don't agree with myself most of the time. Do you know what? That man has led millions and millions and millions of people to Christ. How am I going to be critical? Let me tell you something about Billy Graham. You've got preachers all over the world, and I'm just picking out one in particular. You've got people all over the world, and preachers, by the way, who will sit and they will scoff at Billy Graham because he may have a little doctrinal deviation now from what he used to. But do you know this? The same men who will scoff at him, most of them have committed immorality against their wife, Chris. But let me tell you something about Billy Graham. He used to go into a hotel before he preached a crusade, and if he was staying in a hotel, he would rent the whole floor and make sure that every room on that floor that he stayed on was vacant so he could not have any accusation come against him about being a womanizer. You know what that is? That's being upright. That's saying, you know what? I want to continue to have my integrity. I want to be a man that is perfect. I want to be one that's upright. But then it says this. It said he was a man who feared God. Feared God. You know what we think when we hear about fearing God? We think about a, a mean old man in heaven who if we don't read our Bible every day and we don't pray every day and we don't try to witness every day, he's going to hit us on the head of the ball back because he don't like us. That is a wrong view of God. And it's definitely wrong view of the fear of God. May I say this? I wrote down a sentence while I was uh, between um, preaching today. I wrote a sentence down. I want to do this. This is just a, just a 
common definition from a North Carolina preacher of what I believe, what I believe fearing God is. I want you to write this down in your Bible if you got a pen. This is what I believe fearing God is. Fearing God is having the proper respect for the holiness of God. Let me say that again. Having the proper respect for the holiness of God that makes me love doing right and hating doing wrong. Let me say that again. It's a proper respect for the holiness of God. By the way, holiness is not a denomination. <laughs> holiness is a Bible doctrine. Having a proper respect for the holiness of God that makes me, Pastor, love doing right and would hate doing wrong. That's what fearing God is. The fear of God is the beginning of... You say, well, what, what do you mean by making me love doing right and hating doing wrong? Well, look at the next thing that God said about Job and his approval. He was a man that was what? Perfect, mature. He was a man that is upright. That means he stood tall. He kept his nose clean. He didn't, in all of his affairs, he kept clean. There was nobody that could take him to task and say, you know what? There's some speculation about you, Job, that you're just not right about some things. He was one that feared God, and that fear of God made him eschew or reject or refuse evil. Now, I want us to pick up our reading in Job chapter number 1 and look at verse number Look at verse number 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath in, is in thine power. Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And look at verse 13. There was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only, I alone, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Look at verse 16. While he was yet speaking, another one, another servant came and said, The fire of God is fallen, upon, uh, fallen from heaven and hath burnt up the sheep and the servants and the consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Let me stop right there. We see Job's approval. Job's approval from God was this. He was a perfect man. He was an upright man. He was a man that feared God. He eschewed evil. But the next thing I want you to see about this man called Job was his affliction. Not only Job's approval, but Job's affliction. Can I say this? Bad things happen to God's people. Bad things happen to God's people. You say, preacher, can you explain why that would be? The only thing I can say, Carl, is it's always been that way. From the time that the Bible was written and everything that we've gotten written down and accounted for us in the Scripture, Peter, is this is just the way it's been. Who would have ever thought a man by the name of Joseph, who did nothing wrong, would be put in, listen, be put in a pit to die by his ten brothers, taken out of that pit, sold into slavery in Egypt, gone to a man by the name of Potiphar's house. He, listen, his wife came in, accused him of raping her uh, falsely, him put in prison, stayed there, listen, for doing nothing wrong. When he told the dream of the butler and the baker, he gave them a story, gave them a dream that they dreamed a dream. And he, he interpreted the thing. Listen to me. He told one of them, he said, when you get out of prison... 
He said, remember me. Guess what? He was forgotten. He stayed in there two more years. Guess what? When he was finally released, when he was finally released, he was put in second in command in Egypt. His brothers finally come to him, and at the end of his daddy's life when Jacob died, they looked at each other and said, I know our brother Joseph is going to have our heads now. They went before him and said, listen, we're, we were wrong, and listen, we know you want to kill us. And Joseph, in, par in paraphrasing the whole story, said these words. He said, I don't hold it against you. He said, you're my brothers, I love you. You might have meant it unto evil, but thank God he meant it unto good. May I say this? I don't care what anybody in this room has gone through. I don't care what we go through. I don't care if it's past. I don't care if it's present. I don't care if it's future. Do you know why God permits or prevents everything to happen? So He'll get the glory and you'll love Him better. You say, well, it ain't working in my life. I've been there. <gasps> Preacher? You've had some skepticism in your life. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of times when I have asked God to speak, and you know what? I haven't heard a thing. Joseph didn't either. Joseph went through all of that time, almost 27 years, and you know what? God didn't speak audibly, didn't do a thing. And you know what? Here's what I'm trying to say. The summation of it all is this. When God, listen, when things ain't going good, God still is. Job was afflicted. The first thing he was afflicted in was his finances. Do you know there are people in America in the last six years because of the economic cr uh, 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 crash have literally taken their lives and plummeted off of buildings? They've killed themselves. During the Depression, there were men that literally committed suicide because they lost everything financially. May I say this? If you put all your confidence and all of your uh, strength and all of your weight into uh, material things, you know what? You'll get that way too. Job's affliction. He was afflicted in his finances. I had a guy I know whose house burnt down, Carl. I remember when we were there, it was right outside of Catawba, it was right outside of Catawba County, his house burnt. We heard about it. I went out there to see if he was okay. He was a member of another church. It wasn't our church, but I heard about him. I had done a little bit of work for a friend of his painting, and I went to go visit and see how he was doing. When I drove up, his house literally was nothing but an outside structure that was charcoal. I'm talking it was nothing but black cinder on all the wood. And you know what? I looked at him and I said, Brother, are you doing okay? He said, you know what? I praise God. I said, why? Real spiritual answer, right? Why? He said, because I got all my family out of it. You know what I found? It's not hard when you lose something if you don't love it. It ain't very difficult when you lose something. It ain't very difficult to see it go away if you ain't fell in love with it yet. Job's affliction, God, listen, he was afflicted in his finances. But pick up our reading in verse number 17. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said another servant said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon thy camels and have carried them away, yea, and have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone uh, to tell thee, while he was yet speaking, there also came another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are all dead. 
And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You know, we get to a point in the story, we go, man, alive. He's been afflicted now, not only in his finances, but he's been afflicted in his family. You know, it's an amazing thing. When we lose our finances, at least we can say, thank God we got our family. Job couldn't say that. I mean, folks, this is happening as, as fast as dominoes fall over. One after the other, Sabians came, took all your oxen and all your donkeys. Now uh, they kill all the servants. Then another one came. The Chaldeans came and told, took all your camels and all your flocks and herds, and they're gone. Now a, 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 a wind has hit the sides of the house, and all of your families died, Job. Look at the next verse. And Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time, time out. Let's rewind that, okay? Let's, let's just take that back and read that again. Verse number 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, Pastor, and fell down on the ground and worshipped. You know what I'd be doing? I'm just being honest. This is what I would probably have said at that point. And you want to know why, Chris? Because I've never had to go through all of this. Oh, I've had my persecutions. I've had my valleys. But Peter, I, I mean, we still got shelter at home. We've, we've not missed many meals. We still got a car. You know what I found out? That the poverty level in the world, if you, listen to this. Now, this is amazing. If you have a TV and doors on every room in your house, you are considered in the 1%, 1% of those that are fortunate enough to have that in the world. Just doors on your rooms of your house? I didn't believe that, Peter, till I went and visited some people not too far from where we live. About 20 miles away, and a little place outside a, a town called White Lake, I visited a family one afternoon. Tyler, I couldn't believe it. Drove down a road. Somebody had given me their name and their number. I called, couldn't get no answer. I said, well, I'm just going to go by. I, I, I'm already out here. I'm just going to go by. Went by. Now, this, folks, is literally 20 miles from where we live. I drove up to a house that had a sheet on the front door. When I pulled the sheet back, I knocked on the, on the, uh, on the, the slats on the side of the house, and it was termite-written. I mean, it literally almost fell apart. The numbers were all dilapidated. I knocked on the side of the, the house. I pulled the curtain back, a dirt floor. A little lady came out, and she said, Can I help you? She probably had one tooth in her mouth. She'd probably never been to the dentist. I said, Ma'am, is everything okay? Can I help you? I'm a, I'm a preacher from the area. Can I help you? You know what she told me, Carl? She said, well, my husband died, my son's an alcoholic, and I've been left here. I don't have anything but Medicaid. I get about $45 a week. My rent's $200 a month. And I'll be honest with you, she said, sir, I haven't had a whole lot to eat in about two weeks. I don't know about you, but you know what? Just saying you're a Christian ain't good enough right then. There's something inside of you that ought to 
ought to be perfect, mature, upright, and fear God and eschew evil to make you know what? I said, you know what? I ain't got a lot of money, but let's go down here to Melvin's. There's a place in, in, in East Elizabeth Town, just about 10 miles from where she lived. It's called Melvin's. They make these hamburgers. Let me tell you something, folks. <laughs> you can buy a hamburger for a dollar, and I'm talking it's that big around. I went down there and bought $20 worth of them. Packed them in a bag, gave them to her. I think she ate five before he even got out of her sight. You say, what, what, what are you trying to say? Folks, let me tell you something. If we think we've been affected and afflicted in our finances or in our family, we're sadly mistaken because look at most of the world. Look at this place. I mean, look what God has done at Bethel. Look at the chairs. Look at the curtains. Look at the heat. Look at the heat that's going to be in here later on. And all God's people that's been here more than 12 years said, Amen. I have froze my hair off in this place. But God's been good, hasn't He? But let me tell you something, folks. Job's approval was he was a man that was perfect. He was upright. He was mature. He was... He kept his nose clean in all of his affairs. He, he was one that feared God. He loved doing right and hated doing wrong. And, and he eschewed evil. He refused to do evil. But then he was afflicted. You say, it don't make sense, preacher. It don't make sense. Well, sometimes serving God don't. You, and I'm not a heretic. I'm just telling you there's a lot of times in the Scripture where people that serve God, it just didn't make sense. But I'm here to announce to you that God is good all the time, and when things ain't going right, God still is right. When things ain't going good, God still is good. And I'll tell you something about Job's life. He chose to focus on that one fact instead of looking at his circumstances. His affliction was he was afflicted in his finances. He was afflicted in his family. But let me tell you something, it didn't stop there. You go down to chapter number 2, look at verse number. Look at verse number 4. Chapter number 2, verse number 4. I'll be done in just a second. I'm almost to the caboose. Amen? Look at verse 4. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face, Satan said about God. He said, you touch his flesh and I promise you, he will curse you, God. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. Don't tell me that the devil don't have power. Don't tell me the devil don't have power. When God looked at him and said, you can touch him, but don't kill him. Look at verse number 7. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot under the crown of his head. And he took a potsherd to scrape himself with all, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou retain thine integrity? You know what, Job? Just curse God and die. You know what she basically said, Panna? She basically said, Won't you go look in the mirror? Look at what you become. It's better that you just go ahead and die. You know what? There's something wrong with that picture. Now, I'm not saying that Job's wife wasn't a godly, godly woman, but I am saying this. I think she got her eyes on what everybody else gets their eyes on. That's the outside. 
That's the external things. That's what somebody looks like on the outside. I'm going to tell you something right now. I've known, some, I've known some beautiful people inside that wasn't that beautiful outside, but the outside really don't matter that much. You're welcome. I'm thankful that the outside don't, don't matter that much. I am. My wife think, might, might think I'm a good-looking guy, but she's biased because she has to say that. I'm telling you right now, God made a perfectly good place up here for another face. This one's so bad. Amen. Thank you. Some of y'all will laugh at that on the way home. Look at verse number 10. But he said unto her, he said, Mom, he said, you speak as one that's foolish woman speaking. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we receive not evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. What about you? You going through a little turmoil? Going through a little conflict? Let me ask you a question. Have you lost all your finances? Are you broke? Do you not have two pounds to rub together? Has God taken all your family, all your kids? They died, every, every one of them. They're gone. Okay, maybe both those have happened. But can I ask you this? Have you got boils on your body from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head? And you know what it said about Job? In all of this, he did not charge God foolishly or sin with his lips. I don't know about you, Chris, but that's a great rebuke to this preacher. Now, I'm going to say something that might go contrary to your theology, but it's okay. You can ask me about it after we get done. I wonder why we ask the question, why, all the time. I'm not saying Job didn't ask why. Job did. But can I say this? At the end of his life, I believe Job's question from why changed to not why, but what. I mean, he was going, why, Lord? Why you let all this happen to me? Why is all this going on like this? But I believe at the end of his life, he was able to say what? Are you trying to do, Lord, to conform me to the image of yourself? What can I learn from this, Lord, that will make me a better believer and shine through and let Jesus be seen through me? He was afflicted in his finances. He was afflicted in his family. He was afflicted in his flesh. He was afflicted with his friends. You don't have to read there. You can read it later on when you go home tonight or tomorrow. He had three friends. They sat down with him, and you know what? Basically what they said was, we're going to pray with you, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to ask God to help you through this, Job. You're such a dear friend. God bless you. You're such a godly man. And boy, it didn't take long, Tyler, before they started saying, you know what, Job? This has to be something that you've done. There's some deep, hidden, black sin in your life for this to be happening. You say, preacher, if Job's approval was he was a man that was perfect and upright and feared God and eschewed evil, and the affliction on his life was through his family, his finances, his flesh, and his friends, how could Job get through all of this and at the end of chapter 42 say, I've seen, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. And Job said, wherefore I abhor myself. I am literally ashamed. You don't know why he said that? Because I want you to look at chapter 13 and verse 15 and we're done. Job chapter 13 and verse 15. 
We not only see Job's approval, we see Job's affliction, but number three, I want to look at this and I'm done. I want to see Job's announcement. Job's announcement. Look at verse 15 of chapter number 13. He says, Paul, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. You know what Job's announcement was? I really don't care if God takes my life through this. I will trust Him. You say, well, man, that don't make sense. Well, nobody said it would. You think it makes sense in the human mind for a righteous, holy God to send Himself to earth to hang on a cross, God in the flesh, the God-man, God, very God, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, would come to earth, put himself on the cross, and die for Brian's sins? You think that makes sense? I'm going to be honest with you, in the human mind, it's almost hard to fathom, but I really don't care about the human mind. I care about what God did and what he said and what he wrote down. And he said, I did that for you, Brian. I did that for every person in here. His announcements was, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job, in Job 23, verse 10, he said, Listen, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. When things aren't good, God still is. When things aren't good, God still is. I was in Augusta, Georgia just about four months ago, Tyler. Back in the late September, early October, I was down there preaching a meeting. The pastor said, I want you to go and visit a friend with me. Glad I did. His name was Billy. We went up to his house and I knocked on the door and the pastor was locking up his car and he was on a cell phone and I went to knock on the door. A man came to the door in a wheelchair he looked at me and he said, come on in. But he didn't say come on in like we normally do. He had a, one of those devices that you put to your throat and he said, come on in. I walked on in, Carl. We sat down and I said, sir, my name's Brian Beaver. I'm a He said, let me tell you what happened before you get into it. He wanted to tell me what happened to his throat because he, he knew I was going to ask him. He said, I'll go ahead and tell you. Peter, he told me, he said, I contracted throat cancer about three years ago. They had to remove the larynx and all the vocal cords. He said, they did that. He said, a year after they took that out, he said, my wife died. He said, two years ago, my two twin boys were in a vicious car accident, hit by a drunk driver head on. Both of them lost instantly. In a year and a half, he's lost his voice. He's lost his wife. He's lost his two children. But the next thing that came out of his mouth, Chris, I wasn't ready to hear. He said, preacher. I said, yeah, brother. He said, if I had it to do all over again, he said, I wouldn't change a thing. Because God has showed himself to me through all of this. And he said, I can say as Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. 
I will remain, I will, rem, I will maintain my own ways before God. I'm not going to be a fair-weathered friend. I'm going to maintain it when I go through the trial. I'm going to be upright. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be somebody that fears God. And I'm going to be somebody that eschews evil. What about you? I've got a little girl I just saw on Skype named Addison Davis. And every time I see her, Pastor, it reminds me of God's goodness. You know why God allowed this little girl to be born with spinal bifida in my church? I'm going to tell you why, Esme. God allowed her to be born that way so He could get glory because He has gotten glory every single day, 365 days a year. For the last five years, Carl, He has gotten glory from her life. Not one time I, have, I was there when she was born. I've been there five times in the hospital for numerous surgeries. And not one time have I ever seen Addison say a, a negative thing. She's always got a smile on her face. She's always ready to, ready to hug her preacher. And let me tell you what God's done. Jenica, three years ago, you couldn't even pray with her because whenever she saw a pastor come and pray, she knew bad stuff was getting ready to happen. Let me tell you what God did when we, when we, when we, uh, when we celebrated our, uh, uh, when we came and we, what do you call that? Help me out. Our building. We were in our building, Pastor. Dedication. Excuse me. It's been a long day. When we dedicated our building, she was going to have a surgery two days later. You know what I did? It just slipped out, Penos. I said, Addison, I said, Roxy, bring Addison up here. That's her mother. I said, bring Addison up here to the front. It didn't even hit me and occur to me that, you know what? She gets upset and cries when somebody prays over her. She came forward. We got her up out of that little wheelchair. And I held her in my arms and I held my hand to heaven and I said, Lord Jesus, I said, I want to see this girl walk one day. God give doctors wisdom. You know what, Chris? We prayed for five minutes, every single person in the whole church around us, and not one tear came out of her eye. And from that day forward, she's never cried again. You know what, folks? I want to be somebody that it was said of Job that even when he went through the trial. He worshipped. He worshipped. His announcement to everybody was this, especially his friends that said, there has to be something in your life, Job. You know what he said to them? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying his servant and molding a man, give thanks to the Lord, though your testing seems long, in darkness he giveth a song. Oh, rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes. He knoweth the end of each path that I take. And when I am tried and purified, I shall come forth as gold. Hey, when things aren't good, God still is. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, 
In Jesus' name tonight, I pray that you'd have your time and your heart and time and you would make a, 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 just a, a lodging place in the hearts and lives of these people tonight. I thank you for this crowd. I thank you for the people that are faithful in being here. Now, Lord, I pray right now with nothing to prop us up, no piano, no nothing right now, just in the, the, just the quietness of this moment. I wonder if you'd help us to search our heart and say like Job did, yea, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Folks, can I say this? Your faith is believing God enough to obey what He has said. But the hope that you have in Christ is your confidence that God will do what He said He would do. I'll say it again. God's too good to do you wrong and too wise to make a mistake. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what may happen with you. But let me tell you something. When things aren't exactly good, God still is. With everyone's head bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder tonight if you'd say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me, and I'm getting ready to pray, and then we'll stand and we'll have an invitation hymn. But you'd say, Preacher, I want you to pray that God would help me to be like Job, be a man that is mature, be a man that's upright, keeps his nose clean, be a person that fears God and wants to love to do right and hate to do wrong, but wants to be one that eschews or rejects evil. And I want you to just pray for me. I've been through the valley. I've been through the fire. And I just want you to pray that God would continue to maintain me and to help me and to preserve me through that. You just say with an upraised hand, I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? Once you put it up, you can put it down. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray tonight that, Lord, you'd help us to grasp and get a hold of this great truth that when things aren't great, Lord, you still are. And I'll love you and I'll praise you for what you do in our midst because I ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. Mm -hmm.